Well, I've just got a few minutes. We're going to get you out early. It's Memorial Day weekend. You got plans. And if you are, um, if you're, if you don't have plans this afternoon, I'm going to just throw out two restaurants we'd love for you to go check out, and you might just very well see a few other C3ers. Now, this does not mean everybody gets the same table. You will be there for four hours if you do that. We just mean go to the same restaurant, and you can chat across the restaurant, and if people happen to hear you, so be it. Just be polite, all right? Um, say pr the right things, um, and tip well. Come on now. Um, there's a place just down the road at the end of 8th Street, and and, and Barry, it's brand new. It's called Americado. It's it's a, a genuine uh, street tacos. And I was there the other day with a buddy of mine, and it was it was really really good. And it's kind of a, a like you can go to different counters to get different kinds. And so if you like that thing, go do that. They got big tables there already set, so you, that's. Might make it easy for some of y'all. And then the other one is Connie Russo. It's a pizza place just down the road, which is fantastic. Connie Russo, which is on. Uh, Magnolia. That's um, really good. So listen, if you're, if re, why do I say that? Because we love the rows, but we love the table more. I and mean, we really do. That's why our dinner parties are actually longer than our church service. Um, we really do believe that getting around the table is where God begins to put those things in your heart that, and, and really ultimately begins to grow them. I found that the things that stick with me are the things that I've talked about, not just the things I've heard. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and we're going to talk about that today, actually. Uh, and so, so I would just encourage you. Maybe you got some friends here, or maybe you want to make some friends here. Man, just, hey, you're going to go to one of those. You want to go to Connie Russo. You want to go to Mercado. Uh, I'd love to, to hang. And, uh, and if you see one of our C3, man, go talk to them. Um, I swear uh, we are friendly people, all but Chris here. Uh, other than that, we're, we're good. Nice. <laughs> you just got to warm up to him. Once you get past that first seven layers, he's good. Um, but I want you to turn in your Bibles. Love you, Chris. I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews 13. Uh, Hebrews 13. And we're going to close the series um, talking about a, a key word that I, I think matters. A word that we don't like in our culture. Again, I talked about this last week. We love autonomy. We love to be individuals. We love the idea of freedom. And yet we find ourselves following the crowd on a pretty regular basis. Um, the news feeds that we follow are usually crowdsourced. We usually know what the crowd likes, so it ends up being what we like. Um, and so there's a lot of things that we end up actually sacrificing uh, because we are around a particular group of people. And, and so we talked last week, which I thought was really great. Uh, I, I know I preached it, so that sounds a bit whatever. I just thought it was good. Um, but that if we, if we would be impressed by God, if we would be impressed by, we called it last week, the cloud, which is what Hebrews 12 says, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. If we would be impressed by the cloud of those who've gone before us, of those who've done it before us, of those who've had faith before us, then we would be less consumed with impressing the crowd, and we would actually begin to leave an impression on the crowd. You know, the people who make a difference, who actually make an impact on the crowd or make an impact on culture are those who ultimately are not as concerned with what culture thinks of them. Them. And, and, and in fact, the people who made, C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, the people who uh, have made the greatest difference on earth are those who actually think the, the highest of, the, of, of heaven, of those who think highest of the life that's next. And so those who understand eternity usually make a greater impact on the temporary. And so we want to just uh, hammer this today, Hebrews 13. And, and this was one I almost started this series off with. I decided not to, obviously. Um, if you've not been with us, we've been kind of basing everything off of this Habakkuk 3-2 message, or this 
3-2 prayer where he prays this. He says, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm stopped in my tracks down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. And as you bring judgment, as you surely must, remember your mercy. Do among us what you did among them. So rather than looking at what has been done in the lives of other people as a way to compare your failures or where God hasn't shown up for you, you look at other people and you actually begin to pray, Lord God, do what you've done in me. Do it in me what you've done in them. In other words, celebrate what God is doing in other people and you'll watch as it begins to happen more often in you. I found that when I get frustrated about something, that doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to change. But when I would celebrate something, what it actually means is I'll pay closer attention to it in a way that allows me to learn from it and allows me to actually step into it. So I want to encourage you as we go, as we end this series, uh, pray big prayers. Think, and I, maybe I shouldn't say big because we did a whole, the whole message about don't think big, think high. Uh, but the Bible says, Colossians says that put your, put your mind on things above, put your heart on things above, allow your mind and heart to think higher, not necessarily bigger, which is what we kind of get caught up in. I need to have more of this or have more of that or make it bigger. No, if you would just allow yourself to be consumed with what is higher, which is what is heavenly, then you would actually make a bigger difference on earth, regardless of whether or not your life ever got quote unquote bigger. So ain't nothing wrong with big. Just make sure you start high. Does that make sense? All right. Hebrews 13. Let me read this verse. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 8. Now, I'm going to go backwards a little bit, and so hopefully uh, Jessica's on her game today, because uh, Hebrews, I'm going to go a little bit backwards. I'm going to start with verse 8, and then we're going to go to verse 7. And if I'm yelling, just remember, I'm deaf. I don't know how loud I'm being. Okay, am I good? Am I, all right. So I'm like, he's really talking loud. I, I don't know that. It's like I got headphones on. I swear, I, I don't. Okay, I'm just self-conscious. So Hebrews 13, 8, this verse. Now, some of you have heard this verse before. Some of you haven't. That's fine. Totally okay. In fact, I'm, I'm glad you haven't um, because it means that this is perfect for you. Uh, but Hebrews 13, 8 says this, and, and you tell me, uh, maybe you've heard this. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And now, I don't, I'm not going to make anybody feel bad, but how many of you guys, how many of you guys make, maybe think at some point in your life you've heard something like that? Anybody? You got a few? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know if you've ever actually thought about what that means. Like, I know we throw it out there, like, at certain times when it's really perfect. It's like, you know, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, y'all. And we feel really like, wow, I'm super Christian, you know? little badge and everything. And, uh, but do you really, I mean, I want you, it, have you ever thought about what that actually means? That, that the same grace he gave to that person, he's still giving to you. That same power he gave to that person, he's giving to you. That same desire for you, they, for him that he has for you, that, 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 that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, now, I actually think the verse prior to verse 8, and this is usually what we do. The problem with just picking one verse is we don't always know why that verse says what it says. Because ultimately, the writers of these letters were not writing with numbers in it. They didn't number it for us. They didn't write one, two, three, four. So they actually expected it to flow a little bit, to, to read it as 
sometimes more than just one sentence at a time. And, and, and so verse 8 is actually, I think, connected really strongly to verse 7. So I figured I would just read verse 7. Are you guys good with that? Do you want to know why you say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And, 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 and I think it's going to actually challenge us a little bit. Verse 7 says this. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, I, look at the people you've seen who you admire, the people that, and, and you got to remember just a few chapters before, he just talked about all these incredible men and women of faith, and here are these guys pioneering churches in places no one ever thought Jesus was going to ever make an impact. They didn't think, they thought it was only for one segment of people or one group of people. And so, so here are these guys pioneering this stuff, and so here's the writer of Hebrews saying, hey, remember these guys, remember these people who've really done a lot, who've really stepped out, who've really, even in the midst of persecution, have still preached good, the good news of Jesus. Remember those people and seeing the outcome of their lives and the difference they've made and all that they've accomplished and the things that have happened, I want you to imitate their faith because, and it is very much attached, in fact, in other translations you would see the word for, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so the idea of Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever isn't just like a cool thought for some event that happens or for some prayer you're praying, it is, it is this idea that you would live the same kind of faith-filled lives as those you've seen because that same one that did it in them and for them is actually still at work and he's the same God. So it actually should be a verse that you read and read very personally. Imitate their faith. Now I have, I have a three-year-old who's about to be four and, uh, and I was driving to Brahms last night. Uh, we were getting... Um, like salad or something, and uh, and we, we were driving to Brahms, and uh, we were playing music. He and I loved to just kind of play some music loud in the car, and I was playing some music, and uh, and I was I I when I'm listening to music, and you you watch it on a Sunday mornings here, but the same way I do this when I'm just moving, sometimes looking good, sometimes not, um, I I I do that in the car as well, and so I I was doing that last night. I was and maybe I was throwing some air guitar in there. I don't know. But I look up in the mirror and I see my son, you know, just getting into it. And I found, and, and this is a principle uh, that, 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 that people will, especially kids, uh, will do what you do, not what you say. And that really, it's really not cool. Um, because I say a lot of good things, I just don't always do them, right? And so words that he's throwing out there every once in a while, and I go, where did you, oh. Yeah, I remember that, Okay. Why are you so, why do you have such a temper? Oh, this guy, I have a temper. And, uh, and not anymore, I'm like, I've sanctified and set free, delivered. Um, but, uh, but, but I've found that, that imitation, it, it happens. And when you, when you begin to be impressed by something or challenged by something, uh, Paul's giving us this idea that you should imitate him. And, and in fact, you, this is not the first time you see this idea of imitation. In fact, if, Paul writes this in several different places and in several different ways, but even just specifically talking about himself in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, therefore I urge you to imitate me. In 1 Corinthians 11, he says, imitate me as I also imitate 
Christ, Philippians 3, join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Now, for some of those of you that think Paul is just being really arrogant and saying, I'm perfect, so you should do what I do, this is the same Paul uh, who wrote that I struggle, who wrote that I do what I don't want to do, and this is the same Paul that says, I'm the least of these. This is not this arrogant statement. Paul is trying to tell people that even though I'm not perfect, you should do your best, because I had this revelation of who Christ is, you should do your best to imitate me. Imitation. He, so he's not trying, as much as we look at this and we see information, what Paul's trying to do in the letters he writes, and, 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 and what he's trying to do is he writes some of these things to different people. What he's really trying to do is not necessarily just give them more information or even more instruction. He's trying to give them something to imitate. He's trying to give them something that you can, because I, I don't know about you, but I, you know, when I was a kid or even trying to teach my kid how to play basketball, well, the very first thing I do is not tell him what to do. I show him. In fact, if it's getting frustrating, I'll show him again. And, and, and what I found, and what I found when I was a young kid, and I don't know about uh, you, but I, I bet that many of you in whatever was your favorite thing had someone that you were imitating. In fact, the greatest athletes and the greatest entertainers will always tell you there was someone that they looked up to. And sometimes we think imitation rips away our individuality. But the reality is that imitation provides the platform or the foundation for innovation. It's the very thing that allows me to become more of who I am. I, I, I used to be a designer. I used to do graphic design. I still do some. And, and I remember uh, seeing this book. And, and one of the, the principles of this book about great design was steal from other people. And I can't tell you how many times I've actually done that. But it was actually in copying some other things that actually began to help me discover in that who I was and what I needed to do. I remember trying to learn how to play bass guitar and, uh, because guitar hurt my hands. And so I was going to do bass guitar. And, and, and the thing about a bass guitar or any instrument is what do you do? You don't go start writing music right off the bat. What do you do? You go learn someone else's song. So Paul's not trying to say, I'm the man. He's trying to say, let me give you a foundation for which you can begin to discover your faith and who you are in Christ because God has created you for a purpose and for a reason. But let me give you a foundation upon which you can begin to see who you really are because I'm doing my best to imitate Christ. And if you'll do your best to imitate me in that, you'll begin to discover that Christ has created you for good things and with a purpose. So imitation ultimately is a bedrock for Innovation, for you beginning to discover who you really are. And in fact, the word imitation here uh, actually speaks the idea of what we talked about last week, that there was an impression made, that there was a visible mark made. And so our goal, especially early on, but I really think just any time as a, as a believer in Christ, is to always live impressed. To always live impressed. To, to read this Bible and to always be impressed. To talk to believers, other friends, get to a dinner party and hear the stories of what God's done and be impressed. To not live this life above it all. Not to live this life thinking that we've just arrived somewhere. Paul never did that. Paul still believes that he's got stuff to do. Uh, but, but for us to realize we should be impressed by something as we live our lives. And if we'll do that, we'll begin to be shaped by it. Now, here's the thing. He says imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. And imitation ultimately is the 
is the best way to learn. There's all these myths that NPR just decided to debunk recently um, that says that, you know, we think that IQ is fixed. It's not. You can actually, if you do particular things, you can begin to grow your IQ. That's, check out if this is maybe the way we look at Christians too. Uh, well, your faith, your faith is your, you know, you, you might make it further. I don't your IQ is fixed. The idea that people have different primary learning styles is a myth with no real evidence. We like to use that one when we don't want to learn something. Well, that's a book I don't like to read, so I guess I can't. Anyways. Some of you really took that personal. Okay, not a high, this, the, the idea that we're left-brained or right-brained is not really that proven. And even if it was, they're still not sure that that would make any real difference in your ability to learn. The one thing they do know about how you learn is not if you highlight it, although I love to highlight and I love to write on my books. I, I just don't read a book without it. And, and it's not even to reread the page. How many of you have ever done that? You reread it three times and you are still lost and you you close the book and you walk away and go I don't know what I don't know what I just read but the best way to learn is active learning is to have something attached to what you're learning at the time that allows you to begin to really be impressed for it to really make its way into who you are and, and so the idea is the same with faith you know what the best thing you can do with your faith act on it obedience Obedience, it's not a fun word. It's not like the best word, you know. I, I know we don't love that word, obedience. But the reality is, is obedience is the very thing that allows us to do what God's called us to do. It's the thing that God really wants from us is to trust him enough to listen when he asks us to do something. And, and so, I, you know, I don't know if you, I, I'm not much of a cook or chef or whatever you might call it. Um, I read the instructions 14 times before I ever try to make anything. Right? But how many of you know reading the instructions 14 times actually doesn't make you a chef? And, and that you actually have to go and try to make what you just read about. And my guess is that the first time you make it, it ain't going to be that good. Or at least it ain't going to be as good as it will be. And this, again, this idea of imitation is one of progression. Paul's not saying that you'll get it the first time. He's saying continue to put me in front of you so that you can learn from my life. And in so doing, you'll begin to develop something in you that allows you to step further than you've ever stepped and go farther than you've ever gone. Uh, it, it, this idea that, obedient, that we would actually step into what God's asked us to do. That's a big one. To actually put into action what we believe. And that's the truth of it. We, we love to read James backwards. We love if you, if you would just act on it, you would have faith. No, it's not what it says. Action is a byproduct. Action is a, a result of our willingness to believe God fully. Ultimately, when there's no action to our faith, it is not an action problem. It's a faith problem. Usually the obedience is an issue of whether or not I actually trust that he's going to provide, that he's going to show up, that he's going to do what he said he'd do, that he's actually going to be with me, never leave me, never forsake me, that he's going to provide peace that surpasses understanding and give hope that lifts my heart, that he's actually going to develop in me something that changes the lives of other people. It's never an action problem. It just never is. I know we love to go there because it's easier to measure. Faith. And that is the thing. He didn't ask you to imitate uh, his 
clothing choices. He didn't ask you to imitate even the words he used. He doesn't ask you to imitate the car he drives or the house he owns or the style about which he does things. He asks you to imitate one thing, and it's faith. Now, that's good. Some of us think we know what that means, and, and some of us might have a decent idea. Imitate their faith. But I'm going to go to, you know what, the Amplified Translation. All right? I do this on a pretty regular basis. Because sometimes we just need something defined for us at a different level. So Hebrews 13, 7. Imitate their faith, okay? This is what it says in the Amplified. Remember your leaders who brought you the word of God and consider the result of their conduct, the outcome of their lives, and imitate their faith. Everybody say faith. Now, now are you ready for the Amplified translation? It's like a whole other verse in and of itself. Okay? Are you ready for the... The definition of faith. Imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider provider of eternal salvation through Christ, and imitate their reliance, imitate their reliance on God with absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. How many of you guys already had that definition in your head? Like that was the perfect, yeah. Imitate their reliance and absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. He's not asking you to imitate some incredible thing they did. He's not asking you to imitate this this level of obedience or that level. He's asking you to imitate their Faith, their reliance, their trust in, their belief in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. It sounds a lot very similar to Romans 12 too, that if you would know his good and his pleasing and his perfect will, that God is a good God, that he's an able God, and he actually knows what he is doing. That I rely on him. That even in the midst of the most crazy circumstances and the most difficult moments, that he's powerful enough to get me through it, that he's wise enough to have something ready for me, and that he's good enough to not let me die in this moment, to not let things hurt in this moment, that he's actually going to be there for me. Sometimes our prayer is that God would change something, and our prayer needs to be that God would change us so that we could be people that in the next season and in the next moment, that's not going to fluster us anymore. That's not going to knock us off our track anymore. That's not going to move us away anymore. We've been through that before, and we now know that God is wise, he's good, and he's powerful enough to move us through it. Relying upon, relying upon. So ultimately, here's the, here's the, here's the, the message of this entire series. Rely on God and do whatever you got to do every day of your life to make sure that you are creating space and you are creating moments where you are reaffirming and confessing that reliance upon him so that he can begin to prove it in certain ways. Because I will tell you, reading it, reading it is the thing that provides me the promise, but I'm telling you, it is actually doing it that begins to prove the promise. And if I can begin to hear it over and over and over again, I can begin to act upon it and see it do something in my world. Now I want to skip ahead and I want to end on this. And you remember the very first thing we said was 13.8. Why can we rely on his goodness and his wisdom and his power? Why can we fully trust him? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
the good times of yesterday and the tough times of today and the unknowns of tomorrow, he's still the same God. And so you can imitate reliance and complete trust in his goodness and his wisdom and his power. I believe that the one great thing that would change the world forever is if more believers actually believed. <laughs> if more people who said, I love Jesus and I follow him, would go, you know, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll step out of comfort. I'll step out of rhythm. I'll step even out of routine and do whatever he's called me to do in this moment, in this season. I find with God, you don't, you don't really get to plan 10 years out. You can have some goals, but I found that he tends to move that goal around, huh? Because ultimately his desire is that you would rely upon him. I want to read to you the result of that. Because this is the way we say Jesus on every street and every heart, is we imitate Paul, who's imitating Christ. It's not reserved for some special group. This is written to you and I. The First Thessalonians 5, 1, 5 through 10 in the message translation says this, you paid careful attention to the way we lived among you. It means you imitated and determined to live that way yourselves. In imitating us, you imitated the master, Jesus. Although great trouble accompanied the word, you were able to take great joy from the Holy Spirit, taking the trouble with the joy, the joy with the trouble. Now, this is awesome. This is the part. Oh, uh, uh, this is the good part right here. Here you go. Do you know that all over the provinces of both Macedonia and Achaia, believers look up to you? The word has gotten around. Your lives are echoing the master's word, not only in the provinces, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You are the message. People come up and tell us how you received us with open arms, how you deserted the idols of your old life so you could embrace and serve God, the true God. They marvel at how expectantly you await the arrival of his son whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us from certain doom. See, I think if we begin to imitate Paul, we begin to imitate Christ, we do our best, do our best to, to put obedience with our faith. If we do our best to imitate, to be impressed by, and to begin in imitating, innovating, and beginning to discover who we really, truly are in Christ, because that's the goal, that we would be fully mature, as Colossians says, in Christ, that we would actually begin to see people look up. See, the ultimate goal of this is not that we would receive something, but that God would receive glory, that God would be honored. So when, when, when we read in the gospel, it says, you'll go do these things, and, and when you do them, they will see God. It's because we're imitating because we're being impressed by him. And wouldn't it be awesome if your life and my life was a life that caused people to dream higher, to think higher, to believe higher, to pray higher, to look up, to not get their life so focused on what's around them, but actually begin to see what is above them, to see what is working when they don't realize what's working, when they can't see anything working. What happens when you and I begin to imitate faith, reliance on his goodness and his power and his wisdom and see it activated in our lives in such a way that people begin to see the message because they see you. So our desire to see Jesus on every street and in every heart is because we want you to be on every street and in every heart at dinner parties and every domain of culture that we would see people who are imitating Jesus on every street. And because of that, we would see Jesus in every heart. Amen. But we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. And we do pray as we close out this series that you would do among us what you've done among them. 
God, that you would do the great things we've read about or heard about in our lives. And ultimately, it won't happen because we do something great. It'll happen because we believe something great, but that we have a faith that is fully reliant upon your good news, upon your grace, and it's really truly reliant upon your wisdom, upon your goodness, and upon your power. And so we pray even today now that we'd be those people.